0: Thank you. Is the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott? Presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 975, 1280 the Zone, and the Zone Sports Network.
1: Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 975, and 1280 the zone. Live from Larry H. Miller, Ford Lincoln, in Draper. 11442 South Lone Peak Parkway. Come on by and see us. They've got a lot of great events going on. Come down and check out a Ford Super Duty truck, uh, which have been uh, in demand, and they have them here. Larry H. Miller Ford uh, has Ford Super Duty trucks on the ground. Available right now if you've got to haul those snowmobiles around, uh, they've got the truck for you. Come on down and see us. One Hundred Fourteen South and just west of I-15. Want to say thanks to our title sponsor, Big O Tires. Winter Tires starting at only $49.95, only at Big O Tires with no credit needed. Financing available. Big O Tires, the team you trust. All right, it's time to talk a little NBA basketball. Let's go ahead and get out to the zone phone. Joining us now makes the magic happen for Basketball Insiders. He is Eric Pincus. Eric, thanks for joining us. How are you? Oh, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. So what kind of madness are we in for for the next <laughs> couple of weeks? How crazy is it going to get?
2: I mean, it's just uh, a full off season condensed into what we've training camp in a couple weeks. <laughs> I mean, I think it's 15 days or yeah, it's about 15 days till training camp. So we are we are going to have a lot of deals in a record time just because of a clock. Uh, so is it going to be a more wild summer? Are there going to be more moves than any other summer or off season? I guess there's no. this isn't summer anymore. Uh, I don't know if it'll be that outrageous, but in the amount of time, it's going to be crazy because you've got 30 teams that have to go through the draft, immediately turn around, uh, and do free agency. This is the best time of the year to make trades. Uh, It's Actually, there are more trades this time of year than there are even at the trade deadline. And then you've got to get your your game plan together based on your roster, which you don't know what it's going to be. (laughs) And you have to start getting training camp prepared and get guys in, in past physicals and all these kind of things uh, yeah. I, I could t- I'll say this. Teams in front offices are basically freaking out and it's chaos. But it's fun. They're getting paid for it. They're doing the you know, most of them are doing the job they love. And so I don't think they're complaining to get basketball back.
3: Well, we know about the Chris Paul thing, and we've heard rumors about James Harden and what's going to happen there. I mean, do you expect seven, eight, like, big, big kinds of deals, or do you think that that's just uh, just a few that are going to be sprinkled here and there and the rest is going to be uh, sort of mid, mid-range kind of stuff?
2: Well, under normal busy offseason, uh, teams have cap room, at least in recent years, but we don't really have that this year. There aren't. Uh, more than a handful of teams that have real cap space. And some might, uh, like the Suns might be able to get to cap space before they trigger the deal. Uh, But they have to lose certain players like Dario Saric. uh, You just look at all these teams with different player options and and decisions. For instance, the Heat, do they bring back Goran Dragic? Uh, Do the Raptors bring back Fred Van Vliet? Uh, But if most players stay and there aren't a lot of options as where to go, the only real teams with cap room are the Knicks, uh, the Pistons, the Hornets, and the Hawks. And most of those teams, certainly the Knicks, would like to be a, a playoff team, but I don't think they're rushing to do so because they're pretty far. Same with the Pistons and the Hornets. I mean, there are, none of those teams are ready-made to say, OK, let's go get a star or overpay. So yeah, they'll pay some players. Maybe they'll go after Fred Van Vliet, one of those teams. But uh, there just aren't a lot of teams. I mean, the Hawks are at least a, a team that want to make that push and at least have a star and in, uh in trade young but it, the rest of the league doesn't have that much money to spend just based on the rules is they're over the cap and so that would suggest that if you want to get better the only real way to do it is to trade and so we it, when you have down years when it comes to spending you should have more trade movement so we could see some blockbusters and you know, we've heard the we, we've already had uh of course the room the rumor uh, or at least the report at this point which sounds like it's happening that Chris Paul's going uh, to the Suns. He's one of those names where it's a massive contract. He's one of the most expensive players in the league, and he's being dealt. We'll, we'll see what happens with another one in Russell Westbrook, uh, if James Harden really wanna, wants to push out. Now, the, the Rockets don't have any necessarily an incentive to force anything. They can be patient, uh, but if, if teams are going to go after those guys, well, especially James Harden, they're going to have to give up a ton. You, you They'll, they'll probably be happy to let Russell Westbrook go, especially if they're trading James Harden. They may not charge much but uh, in trade, but uh, if you're going to try to get James Harden, they're going to ask for an arm and a leg and then some.
1: Eric, the salary cap stays the same. The luxury uh, tax say, stays the same as last season. The Jazz are already over the salary cap, uh, owing uh, roughly $118 million next year. Uh, Jordan Clarkson is a free agent, and as you know, he was extremely key uh, to the Jazz having success last year, and his role off the bench was was desperately needed. How hard do you think it's going to be for the Jazz to retain him? How
2: painful will that be? <laughs> Well, that goes back to the conversation of of who has money to offer. And if it's only those teams that I mentioned, uh, do the Knicks go hard after Jordan Clarkson? I I like Jordan, but I don't think he's – he shouldn't be one of your top two players. If he's your third or fourth best player, sure. But you shouldn't be building your team around Jordan. He's a really nice scorer off the bench, and he could start if you need him to. Uh, I'm fond of Jordan. I covered him in L.A. and spent a lot of years with him. So I, I think highly of him. Uh, but like the Pistons, is, are, are they at a place where they should be doing that kind of move? To me, Charlotte, should they be? I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think, uh, well, Mitch Kupchak drafted or at least traded for the pick for, for Clarkson. So at least there's a tie there. Uh, so if, there, if none of these teams are offering real money, well, then the rest of the market, the rest of the money that these teams have range from either 6 to $10 million. I'm, I'm rounding, but in the, in that range in the first year. And so that's the kind of money that Clarkson would be offered. And so that's not terrible, obviously if you're Utah and you can get him for that, but they would have to pay more than that. Otherwise he'll probably just sign for a short time uh, or maybe go somewhere else briefly and then look for a free agency next year. So maybe take 10 million somewhere else and then look to cash in the next year. So if they're serious about keeping him, then I I feel like 13, 14, $15 million a year in that range is reasonable. Uh, he, he be taking uh, that's that's not bad money right now i don't know where his mind is and what he wants to do but to me i feel like 15 million dollars a year is about right to make sure he doesn't leave and and take a short-term deal in free agency
3: so eric uh unbeknownst to you i have now taken your mind taken it out of your body and put your mind in dennis lindsey's body all right and uh, Rudy Gobert, his people come to you and say, uh, if we don't get the Supermax, we want something awfully close to it.
2: What do you say? Boy, um, it, the challenge is that it, it's, it's hard to win in the NBA with a center. Uh, and Rudy is a very specific one because he's not a high scoring one and he does contribute to the offense in other ways. And he is so good defensively that he can play on the floor more so than a lot of other bigs when it comes to end of games and and needing a stop. He's not a a defensive liability. You you look at someone like Nikola Jokic, and he's probably the the best offensive center all around as far as passing and scoring and whatnot. But there are some defensive issues that that team has to work around with him, and and you don't have that. So when you say supermax for a guy who's – Best asset is his defense, and yes, he's a, a cornerstone piece. I, I don't know if I would go there. And and the the key is, is that no one else can offer the, the Supermax to him. So why, if I'm the Jazz, am I obligated to pay him that when it's not the market and what he does isn't as valued league-wide, whether the Jazz value him or not? It's not the point. League-wide, centers just aren't as important as they used to be. You certainly you go back 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. I mean, for, for decades, that was the most important position. And it just hasn't been that way for a long time. And so I would want to see what he gets in, in offers. I'd want to, if the priority is keeping him, see who has uh, the kind of cap room and, and read the market at the time when he gets to free agency, uh, keep a strong relationship. Cause you know, Dennis Lindsay is a very personable guy. He's a good communicator. He knows how to, uh, nurture relationships make sure that you're on the same page and so if there is interest and if there's money out there that's going to rudy then they match it or beat it by a small amount but i don't know about supermax i just to me i don't see the need to do that for for someone at his position as valuable as he is it's not the most valuable position in the nba so, would you let me follow up on that? Would you negotiate,
3: try to negotiate with him now because you don't want to go into that situation where he becomes a free agent? Uh, or do you? And if he's unwilling to meet you where you want to go, do you trade him? What What would you, what, What's the appropriate thing to do?
2: Well, it's it's an exploration of of what how far off is he from where the Jazz would be? If he's adamant that it's supermax and that's all he wants, if you trade him, he can't get the Supermax. So there's there's a point where he has to uh, find a compromise, and there's a point where the Jazz have to find a compromise. And if that compromise doesn't exist, and they know this early, th- th- this is the sort of thing that you want to negotiate as early as possible. The closer someone gets to the end of their contract, the harder it is to get value back, uh, because those teams will typically just wait a year, wait till wait until he's a free agent, and then you know pay him, and then you don't have to trade all your pieces, but. You know, there's there's value, like the Lakers uh, tried to trade for Anthony Davis, and ended up using, you know, using Caproom. They were better off using Caproom than trading all their people, and they ended up trading anyway for him, so I'm saying. But uh, they could have waited another year, but you, you have to try to win now. You go team by team, and there's a value in waiting it, situationally based on where your team is, but you know, I to me, get a deal as close as possible to the number, and if you could lock him in, great. If you're close and have a good relationship but you're not quite there you don't have to trade him you could delay it and nurture that relationship and try to work something out uh because he's he's a very good player and he's he's very valuable to the organization but the money is just too much where it hamstrings and you know i don't know where the donovan mitchell rudy gobert relationship is i hope it's uh if, if it is if it was damaged as reported i'm hoping it's long since repaired uh but it, you, that that's also crucial to make sure that that team is your two stars, your two best players are are, uh, on the same page and and able to communicate and want to win together, I think that's a valuable piece as well. Eric
1: Pincus is with us from Basketball Insiders, and this is the last thing uh, from me, Eric, but uh, we've alluded to the Chris Paul trade, uh, reported trade a couple of times. Uh, Interested to get your analysis of the deal. It felt like a real win-win to me, uh, given the direction of both franchises,
2: but what were your thoughts? I mean, that's fair. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't look at the Suns and say they're a top three team in the West or top two or whatever, but I do think that they have a shot to contend for the playoffs. They weren't that far off uh, from making a lower seed. They'll compete with uh, some of the teams like the Grizzlies and, and the teams. They'll certainly over, overtake the Thunder, who were really good this year, but are, are obviously going in a different directions. So uh, Devin Booker is one of the, the best scorers in this league, uh, and he's been sort of overlooked because he's. He has not a very good team around him. Uh, I thought Ricky Rubio was great for them, and I thought that um, the template was there for how they can win. And you're basically upgrading from Rubio, who's a very, very solid and a very good point guard, but not nearly as good. Although he's younger, he's not nearly as good as Chris Paul. So it's an upgrade there. They didn't give up uh, necessarily any pieces that they they were already going to move out from Oubre. he wasn't Kelly Oubre wasn't there in the bubble anyway when they were really, really good. Uh, and the draft pick. I mean, this is a team that's been swimming in picks and and drafting forever. It's like at some point you've got to try to push. Uh, for the Thunder, clearly it's time uh, to to rebuild. They're not going to reinvest in Danilo Gallinari. Uh, they they weren't going to reinvest uh, a year later with Dennis Schroeder, so they're training him to the Lakers, et cetera, et cetera. So it's time. So they got another pick. Uh, they got a couple of salaries that they can they can try to trade Rubio. Uh, They could trade uh, Ubre again and get more for it. So maybe another pick or something. So they're collecting as many draft assets. It's not really a destination market in Oklahoma City, uh, but they've done a really, really good job of uh, going from where they were back a long time ago in the NBA finals to losing stars and then to trading and, staying competitive and still putting out a good product, but I think it's time for them to be really, really bad <laughs> for a little bit. And uh, when they hit the the, the draft, they're going to have like, I don't know, they got like 20 picks or something in the next few years. It's insane.
3: So, Eric, if uh, if James Harden wanted to play for your team, uh, how how, uh, how eager would you be if you were the Nets to, uh, to make that become a reality so that you have – Kevin Durant and James Harden and Kyrie Irving on the floor together at the same time. Jake, wa- Jake wants to see it happen just because he thinks it would be a disaster. What do you say?
2: <laughs> well, I mean, from a, a theatrical point of view, it would be certainly uh, fascinating to watch and see. Uh, it, on paper, it's it's not very pretty. I, I don't I don't know if James Harden and Kyrie Irving, who are both players who want to make most of the decisions most of the time. Are well suited for each other. In fact, I'm not 100% sure that that Kyrie Irving and KD are perfect uh, in fit because you know I anticipate there are going to be times where we're going to see a repeat of what happened with Russell Westbrook and and KD, where there were times where the point guard had the ball and it should have gone to KD, and there was a lot of tension there. and, And Kyrie is a very, very good player but he's also a very ball dominant player. And then you take a, <laughs> and add in the most ball dominant player in the league, basically. I don't know about, I'm not looking at the, the analytics, but it, by, my, by the eye test, certainly uh, you can make the case for it uh, that Harden is, is not an off the ball player. Uh, he, was, he, he, he was able to play with KD and, and Westbrook in his younger days before he became what he's become, which is you know, a very special player, but uh, someone who hasn't had that, enough uh, of a postseason run to satisfy his wants. He hasn't gotten to the finals, hasn't won since the Thunder, and hasn't won with the Rockets. I, you know, sure, they'd be giving up something like Karis LeVert, uh, who's a really nice younger scorer, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, and then probably Jared Allen, and then who knows what else, what other kind of draft considerations. And whatnot. I, I don't know if the Rockets would go for all that. You know, from a train wreck point of view, sure, it could work, though. I mean, they're, they're, you're talking about three absolutely elite players they can probably figure it out. I don't want to just say putting good players together isn't isn't going to work. I mean, it could work, but I, I could see you know all, all the, the the same things that you're talking about the the train wreck that it could be. I, I definitely identify with that. Eric,
1: thank you very much for joining us. As always, we uh, we really appreciate it. You got it. Anytime,
2: guys. Appreciate it.
1: That's our friend Eric Pinkus uh, from Basketball Insiders, and uh, that was that was really good. Uh, really enjoy his analysis every time he gets a chance to join us.
3: Yeah, he's going to be really busy over the next two yeah. weeks, isn't he? <laughs> yeah,
1: everybody in the NBA. Yeah, you know, I everybody. Heard, I heard our guy uh, Eric Walden on with Hanson Scotty earlier today talking about how he's going to uh, be uh, wearing a little thin over the next couple of weeks because they, they are they're they're sandwiching a whole off season into two weeks. Mm hmm.
3: Pretty nuts, it, it is, and it's it's kind of hard to cover, but but it's uh, it's exciting for fans to be able to see what movements going to happen, and you throw the draft into the middle of it, and what's that going to bring?
1: Right, and we've you know Chris Paul trade, uh, you know uh, your your guy Dennis Schroeder moved over the weekend to the Lakers. I mean, we've already seen some. Some players move, so. The the problem with Dennis Schroeder is he is
3: really hard for the Jazz to guard, you know? really hard for people to guard. Now, I don't have that. I don't have the numbers in front of me right now, but doesn't it seem like if your memory serves that when you think back to the teams he's played on, when he's on the floor, the Jazz struggle to contain him?
1: Well, he's a great offensive player. It's he's a, fast. he is one of those players that seems to have uh, big nights against the Jazz. But I don't think it's quite to the who's that uh, Austin? Who was that dude for the Nuggets that that never had a good game in his career, but somehow oh. put up like forty oh. every time he played. Linus Klaza. Linus Claysa. Yeah, Claiza. yeah. yeah. Claiza. yeah. <laughs> that guy's like the twelfth man <laughs> on the bench. Somehow comes in and puts up thirty. Every time he plays the Jazz, that was a that was a pretty crazy one. So, all right, uh, we'll get to more coming up next. I mentioned we're live. Larry H. Miller Ford Lincoln Draper, one one four four two South Lone Peak Parkway, but really just jump off the hundred and fourteen South exit, just west of the freeway. Easy to find. Uh, our friend Eric jumps on the air with us now. First of all, Eric, it's good to see you. Thanks for having us.
4: Oh yeah, it's exciting to have you here.
1: Uh, I was telling uh, Gordon, who's at home, I was telling him about that uh, that spiffy monster Mustang right there. <laughs> Ooh, it's even a convertible, Gordon.
4: Perfect car for winter. Ah, oh, perfect right? car for winter. it's ready for these beautiful, you know, Salt Lake winters.
1: I tell you, that lime green though grabs the eye, doesn't it? That's 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 quite the car.
4: I actually think they call it Grabber Green. Do they really? Yeah.
1: Well, it, it
4: does its job.
1: Uh, but you guys are very busy uh, around here. Let's talk about what's going on.
4: Well, I mean, it's you know, it's the holiday season, and we just kicked off the you know, uh, built for the holiday sales event. So we have tons of great rebates and incentives on all the new Ford lineup. And right as we're going to winter around here, tons of Fords are four by four and all wheel drive. So really equipped to help people at this time. And we've got an amazing selection, amazing incentives, So it's really a perfect time to get ready for the holiday.
1: And you guys have super duty trucks here they are here
4: they are here and i think you know with just things are so crazy with the coronavirus and like the ford factory shut down early in the spring right Right. so when you go two or three months you don't build trucks and then people changed how they vacation right so rather than flying places people started buying their fifth wheels and boats and so anything that tows well they're sold out right but we're catching up now we've got some here so if you need to either Take a trip or tow something, and you're trying to get it done by the end of the year. They're here and on the ground, and s- some beautiful ones here to take advantage of.
1: So if you just grabbed a couple of snowmobiles on impulse, uh, you've, you've got the vehicle to pull them.
4: Absolutely. Whether it's the F-150 or the Super Duties, we can haul or tow anything you need to do. Awesome. Okay, well, thank Jake, you so. Yeah, yeah. i got a question
3: for her uh how do you uh, how do you have any broncos those new broncos
4: oh everybody's excited about the new bronco and it'll be a while yet so people are uh reserving broncos right now uh the the big tough full size bronco those reservations will start turning into orders probably in december and we'll start seeing those cars in the valley near as we can tell middle of next year people are
1: excited though Oh, yeah
4: they're excited a lot of pent-up demand they they had so many pre-orders they believe that every vehicle they build will already be sold for next model year. wow Wow.
1: that's amazing (laughs) well they did have the world's longest commercial
4: yes they did (laughs) right that's part of it right everything about that thing is going to be big and awesome and it's going to be a great car for around here no doubt
1: awesome well thank you very much eric we appreciate you yeah thanks for being out here all right more big show coming up next stay tuned 97.5 and 1280 the zone It's the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Come on down and see us. Larry H. Miller, Ford Lincoln Draper, 11442 South Lone Peak Parkway. Uh, Talking to Eric during the break there, Gordon, it, it's amazing the buzz around this Bronco. I mean, you're a car, guy. Oh, yeah. You asked about it. It's, uh, yes. You said it's pretty well, wild. People are pretty juiced about it. Yeah, uh, it's a, it's a cool-looking vehicle. I uh, want to remind you about our friends at Syringa Networks, home to complete business, telecom, and IT solutions, backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communication for 21st century Utah. Get start, started now at syringanetworks.net. Uh, big thanks to Eric Pincus for ju- jumping on with us in the last segment. Uh, Gordon, it, it feels kind of strange, but it is a, a big game week for Utah, considering they haven't played yet. Uh, but USC, this was going to be one of those real challenges that we pointed to on the schedule, and uh, like I said, it doesn't entirely feel like it's big game week because we haven't seen the Utes play yet, but nonetheless, we've got a big game on Saturday, and I've got my fingers firmly crossed that we'll be able to uh, be watching some football.
3: Well, I've watched both of USC's games thus far, and it's kind of a strange thing because you wonder – Uh, Is is USC, how to say this, are they what they've seen for the first three quarters or are they what we've seen them do in the fourth quarter to win the games? Because they've seemed vulnerable to me. And obviously Arizona State is, is a quality team, or you would expect them to be. But Arizona, man, USC was fortunate to get out of there with a win yeah
1: they were bumping along they they really were in fact uh, for most of that game i thought arizona was going to win yeah and uh you know it i don't like usc's offense i don't it's no secret we've had that discussion uh you and i a bunch of times and i i i don't think it works there or not—it doesn't work there as well as other styles would work, in my in my opinion. I absolutely think USC is vulnerable, one hundred percent.
3: Well, I, I think they're vulnerable, but not for the reason that you're saying. Because the student body left, student student body right doesn't work anymore, Jake.
1: Keaton Slovis threw it forty-two times, Gordon. You're running back, you. I mean, you can have any running With, back in the country that you want, and yet well, you you're going to select, pro- you're, you're gonna select an offense probably, that doesn't even use one. You can probably have one.
3: most of the receivers, too, Jake. You know, uh, the kind of talent that comes out of Southern California, and plus their recruiting reach is well beyond that. Uh, I, I don't know. That, that's not really – The point is that the, the Trojans look like they can be handled. And uh, – It's weird because the Utes haven't played yet, and now the Trojans have uh, maybe worked out some of their kinks, and that's an advantage for SC. But as we talked about last week, uh, is it an an advantage for Utah to be able to see what SC is doing and study that film, and SC's over there going, what are the Utes going to do? And they're like, beats me. I don't even know who their quarterback's going to be. Right. Well, I... I mean, I didn't love. Which USC. way? Which way? Do you, which way do you lean on that? Who do you think has the advantage?
1: In the in the specifically Utah USC? Reset that for me. It, advantage where?
3: That the Utes the SC doesn't have anything to study on the Utes. Oh, okay, okay. And, okay, and the okay, Utes and they but, but they've played and so they've gotten some some of the things worked out. But the Utes can look at the study the film and see what the Trojans are doing, and the Trojans can't do that. So which which way do you lean as far as the you. advantage?
1: Sorry about that. I just needed you yeah. to reset. Uh, hugely in the Trojans' favor. I mean, like, not even close to an advantage for Utah at all.
3: Well, okay. I mean, so one outweighs the other, but it is an advantage for Utah to be in sort of a cloaked Situation. I Cling think if you
1: it. okay. I mean, maybe, but I think you could ask ten out of ten coaches, and they'll tell you they'd rather have games under their belt because that's okay, where you wait. do the improving and you experience it and all those sorts of things. What's the what's that stupid cliche? The most improvement is done between game one and game two. And how much fluky right. stuff have we always seen in game one yeah. from college football? True, where teams come out and it takes them. I mean, look at Oregon last year. They were they lost uh, their first game right, and uh, and then. Uh, by the end of the year, they were uh, really humming. I mean, the Utes fell victim to that in the Pac-12 title game, right? I mean, it, it, 100% you'd rather have game experience. I mean, it, I, I guess it's they haven't seen some players on film, but I'd, I'd much rather know what I'm going to get from my team.
3: Who had, the, uh, who had the cloaking device? Was it the Klingons or the Romulans?
1: I think it was the Klingons, and I'm not even a big Star Trek guy, but I, I uh-huh. know that one.
3: All right. Well, that's what that's what the Utes have going for them. So, Noodleheads. <throat> they uh, if yeah, it'll be interesting to see if this game gets played. Um, and and I don't know. We certainly hope it gets played, like you were talking about. But I think the Trojans are vulnerable based on what I've seen. If the Utes are anywhere near as good as we sort of expect them to be, and uh, underscore expect because we don't really know but we're kind of guessing, uh, I I give the Utes a real chance to, to win that thing because the Trojans have not been impressive, not in my mind anyway.
1: Elsewhere in the Pac-12 over the weekend, Gordon, um, Oregon struggled at first with Washington State, but mm-hmm. then obviously uh, came back to put the hurt on them, 43-29. Uh, Any thoughts about the uh, Ducks?
3: I saw part of that game. Uh, uh, you know, Oregon's good. They have fine my- athletes.
1: You know what my big takeaway from that game was, Gordon? Washington State is not going to be nearly as bad as I expected. Yeah, yeah, uh, I was it, thinking that. Big ups to Rolovich, who appears mm-hmm. to to be doing a solid job so far. He had like half the team transfer. I don't I don't know <laughs> how they didn't lose by uh, like 100 points. Uh, but Washington mm-hmm. State's can be a little bit a little better, than I thought Colorado also might be a little mm-hmm. better than we thought. Gordon, they beat Stanford thirty-five to thirty-two, and it really wasn't that close. Stanford got sixteen points in the fourth quarter. I thought Colorado looked really good.
3: Yeah, uh, I th- and for that matter, I thought Arizona. Unless SC is really not as anywhere near or as good as we thought they might be, Arizona looks like a threat. UCLA looks uh, capable. The two teams that the youth, that the Utes were supposed to play might be better than we thought they were going to be. They look that way to me.
1: You know what I like about UCLA? They are absolutely determined to run the football. I mean, they're gonna they're a big time running team. Like this is old school, like what the spread was initially designed to be, that that option offense, and uh, we'll, well, we'll see how that goes. But I a, I was disappointed.
3: That's a, funny, that's a funny thing about that. Everyone always thinks that Chip Kelly ran this. Wide open offense up up at Oregon, and nope. he was running the football seventy percent of the time.
1: Oh yeah, and that was Urban Meyer when he was here at Utah with uh, what Quinton Canther and um, what who, Brandon Warfield. Remember him? I mean, they were that, that was a run offense. They they <sighs> they were running the football, and that's what UCLA is going to do this year. I was disappointed in Cal. Um, you know, you usually yeah. can expect. It is some solid defense from Cal? They gave up 20 points in the second quarter. I mean, I know they've been inconsistent offensively, but I they were supposed to be a team on the rise this year, and uh, that they didn't look they didn't look it against UCLA on Sunday morning. What do you think about a little Sunday morning college football? Yeah, I like was, the idea. That was different.
3: That was different. This is such a strange year in so many ways. In fact, at the end of this year, as we look back on it, I I don't know whether. Depending upon how many games are played, I I, I wonder how many conclusions we're going to be able to draw from it, you know, as it pertains to what's going to what's going to happen next as far as the seasons yet to come. I I don't know whether this year is even going to count.
1: Well, it's going to count. It'll be uh, I'm with you. I'll be fascinated to see what trends prove to be correct and what trends are based on the unique circumstance. Like, we've, well, we've talked about this a lot with the NBA bubble, right? What what was real real, and what was not?
3: Well, we've been waiting for UCLA to respond in a positive way for, uh, for Chip Kelly for quite some time, and we're, we're thinking, okay, this guy really had a lot of success at Oregon. Can that be replicated for the Bruins? And you would expect with the kinds of athletes they can get there, you would expect them to be, get organized and, and win some games. And it looks like they're going to be capable of doing that. I don't know how good that defense is, but the offense can move the ball.
1: Yeah. Uh, Gordon, just to – uh, let me bring this up here real quick. Just to, to compare some uh, – to compare – well, let's see. UCLA, Gordon ran the ball 54 times mm-hmm. against Cal – as opposed yeah. to 26 passing attempts for Dorian Thompson-Robinson. USC, where they should be running the football, uh, ran the ball 32 times and threw the ball 43. Jeez. <laughs> oh, All right, uh-huh. we'll have uh, more coming up next. Uh, curious to get Gordon's thoughts on uh, our boy Dustin Johnson, what we saw in the Masters. Uh, I'll say it, was, it was fun to flip back and forth Sunday morning between Packed football and the Masters. I was impressed, and we'll talk about it. We'll get to it next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.
0: to the big show presented by big o tires stop by your locally owned big o tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires big o tires the team you trust this is 97.5 1280 the zone and the zone sports network
1: Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 of The Zone. Live at Larry H. Miller Ford Lincoln Draper. 11442 South Lone Peak Parkway just west of I-15 off the 114 South exit. Uh, Great deals going on right now. Get yourself a, a brand new Ford. Gordon the Masters uh, over the weekend, and certainly I was glued to it on Sunday, hoping for a Dustin Johnson epic collapse, but alas, <laughs> it did not come. I was uh, 100% on the uh, Cam Smith bandwagon. I was rooting for that guy. Why? That, that, now, that looks like a dude. We had a, this conversation the other day. That looks like a guy I want to sit down and have a beer with. <laughs> with that just terrible blonde mustache and, and his caddy that looked like the caddy in Happy Gilmore. <laughs> <laughs> totally looked like the the caddy that uh, was well, washing windows yes. in the parking lot
5: before the tournament. I mean, I, I was L- Lloyd at a tweet waiting for him to wash <laughs> his underwear in Ray's Creek.
1: I know it was amazing. <laughs> How could you not cheer for that guy? Wait, I was pulling. You're supposed so... to wash your underwear. I was pulling now... so hard for him. Uh, but no, Dustin <laughs> Johnson sets uh, a record: twenty under par. Um, Gordon, he he only had four bogeys the whole tournament.
3: Yeah, he was playing out of his mind, just making I mean twenty under at the Masters. Holy cow, he was he just lapped the field, man. He was just steady as can be. And as far as Cam Smith goes, he's he's a down under guy, isn't he?
1: Yeah, his, his yeah. Aussies, he, he could you probably know. have a Fosters with him or something. Uh, bring it on, man. That guy looked cool. That guy looked like somebody you'd want to hang out with. <laughs> and his his round was interesting because he he kept putting himself in just terrible positions, and and still managing to to save par. Uh, he shot let's see, sixty nine yesterday. Uh, yeah, Sunjay M nice fifteen. Uh, also, fifteen under at uh, and shot a sixty nine yesterday. Rory McIlroy overcame a bad first day to have a pretty good tournament, eleven yeah. under par. Um, he
3: said he learned he learned from it. They interviewed him afterward, and he said he learned from it. So it'll set him up for a future Masters, and the next one isn't that far off. So yeah, it's right around they, the corner. Yeah, it's like so. So anyway, I I, I thought that was m- remarkable that those two guys tied at fifteen under. The, isn't that the best score not to win? The Masters in history?
1: Well, I, that would make some sense because when, um, uh, when uh, Spieth had his 18-under and when Tiger had his, didn't they win? Tiger won by like 12 strokes. Yeah, he won by a lot. So, no doubt. Tony it, Fee now. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I just,
3: like, you know, I, I just, Cam Smith said he had to get the 16-under in order to put himself in a position to catch up. And I guess Dustin did get down to uh, they were within he was within one shot at one point. Right. And then he poured it on. And I I have great admiration for guys who can just stomp on that accelerator and finish strong the way he did. It didn't waver. I didn't see any weakness at all. Did you?
1: Uh, Tony Finau, Gordon finishes at one under par, and Tiger Woods finishes at one under par. And here's, here's the thing. I'm not going to tell people how to parent. But if I were uh, watching the Masters yesterday with, uh, with uh, you know, maybe uh, somebody who's trying to uh, be an athlete uh, in any sense, Tiger put the ball in the water three times on 12. He had a 10. Gordon, yes. how many times in his career has Tiger ever had a 10? I mean, just just an epically bad hole. And then he goes on to birdie uh, five out of the last six holes. I mean, the, the <laughs> tournament was over for him after that 10. Like, it really was. But to have yeah. the, pers- to the perseverance to put it back together, move on to the next hole, and birdie five out of the last six, I, I well, thought that I, was pretty admirable. I thought that was you, pretty cool.
3: You know the old joke, I always wanted to play golf like Tiger Woods, but that's not what I had in mind. Um, no. Yeah. Did, it, were you watching ten. when he
1: had that ten? I mean, no, it was it. it was excruciating to watch because you know you, you put it in Tiger the water three times. Yeah, and he had this. Ugh. The last time he did it, he had this awkward sand shot where his he had like one foot up out of the bunker and one foot. I mean, it was the most awkward thing you've ever seen. And then, bam, skulls it right into the into the water on the other side of the green. I mean, it was yeah, it was something. It, it, well, we've all been there.
3: Watching the world's best players, it's every once in a while you see something like that Kevin Na style, when when it just uh, <laughs> nothing goes right, even for the best players in the world. But then, on the other hand, you see them hit those bunker shots out of that deep those uh, huge bunkers and just put it within you know two three feet of the hole. Uh, it's just it's just uh, magical the touch. That Exactly. <laughs> That's one of my favorite calls of all time. Kevin uh, took a 16
1: <laughs> on one hole. Uh. And then uh, everybody was interested in Bryson DeChambeau because he hits the ball a long way. He had one of the most manic tournaments I think I've ever seen. Filled the other with, players with like 375-yard drives at, that were nowhere near the golf course.
3: Well, I mean, <laughs> I just – I think the other players get tired of hearing about uh, him and they were kind of I know, laughing. I know Yeah, we were, <laughs> were laughing at his struggles. Uh, but, uh, I don't know, I, I, I am not so jaded that I don't get um, affected by the way these guys react when they win. Uh, we had that conversation about when uh, – Uh, Any championship is won, whether it's the Dodgers or whether it's Dustin Johnson, just to see their response to it and how much it means to them, regardless of the fact. Mm. How much money did Dustin Johnson uh, win yesterday? It was over a million, right? It
1: was two million, I think, or pretty Uh, close.
3: And then what he's going to get off the course is going to be like three or four times that much and and yet he's all teared up about it and i thought his the emotion that he showed later when he was being interviewed uh was was pretty uh, authentic does, does it make pretty me
5: cool. jaded that i don't like to see grown a men acting like seven-year-olds does that is that what jaded is that the definition of jaded what do you mean, seven-year-olds? Like you, the whole discussion about dogpiling—you love to see the players dogpiling each other, yeah. run around and and throw water on each other, and act the fool. And me and Jake just turn the TV off and go, "Oh, the Dodgers won." Yeah. But you said you're not so jaded as yeah. to miss out on that emotion.
1: Does no,
3: that make us jaded? Uh, kind of. Yeah.
1: Oh. Mm-hmm. No, I'm. I'm I don't confused. know. I don't
3: know what it makes you. I just. I've been called worse. find. I I find that kind of. Kind of childlike uh, emotion. Annoying. Because oh. that, that, that's the reason that people get involved in sports in the first place. And to see that it lingers beyond, even once these guys are multi-millionaires, is kind of a cool thing. Just like I liked it when Dustin Johnson got uh, weepy there, talking about what it meant for him to win the Masters and how cool it was for him. I, you know, I think you got to be pretty hard not to be moved by mm, that what a little softy
5: bit.
1: Oh man, I had turned off. Is that, that the way you by... feel, really? <laughs> <I had laughs> you turned guys turned that
3: are... off
5: long before that, right?
3: <laughs> oh. Give me a break.
5: Come on, why? What does he wait, have to wait, say or show me that right. I matter? That matters to me. I don't.
3: That kind of emotion to to see a champion.
5: You know, I'll flip on you, Gotmail, got if I want to
1: see tears. I don't. Yeah, I'm with you there, Austin you guys
3: when that somewhere
5: over the rainbow hits and Tom Hanks character admits that he's the one that's been emailing her the whole time that'll get you Dustin Johnson winning two million dollars yeah
1: Dustin Johnson putting an extra two mil in the the bank account it's not just about
3: the money it's about achieving a great uh, goal a dream that they've had since they were kids come on you guys don't
1: cry shop girl it's not me <laughs> achieving it. Why would I care?
4: Exactly. I don't uh, know I mean, Dustin have you, Johnson. Have you lost, have you lost yeah, all connection all.
5: with
3: humanity? I
5: mean, come no, on. No, if, your... if Brody Horton wins the Masters, I'm running around naked, yeah, right. cheering it up. But <laughs> like Dustin I, Johnson, who cares? You know, if, uh, if
1: Mike Weir wins it, I've met him a few times. That'd feel good for him. Yeah, he might but give me a few bucks. Know. I don't know Dustin Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> He might be the, the world's biggest Deutsche Bank, for all I know.
3: You are so past feeling. <laughs> you, you are not even human.
5: We're jaded.
3: You are. <laughs> no, you're just flawed. <laughs> you're basically flawed. Oh, not, to get a, not to have, that, uh, have some effect on you watching a champion achieve his, his dream.
5: How can you not feel empathy? How can you, you have no idea what this does for Paulina's bronzer budget?
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, a just, to
5: us. You just
1: admitted that you enjoy watching other people celebrate their aco- accomplishments.
5: <gasps> that, that's third the third yacht. We can finally one. get it. <laughs> I look. I
3: did not need a whole lot of Paulina yesterday. That's 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 the part of it I don't need. I mean, I'm glad that Dustin and Paulina have a great relationship and that everything's cool. But I don't see need to see her prance across the the green to hug uh, Dustin's brother, the caddy. All right, I, uh, that part of it I don't care about. Although I knew. Wait, she hugged his brother me. first. No, she hugged him, and then she oh, okay. she started to walk off the green, and then she turned around and, and walked across the green. Had and
5: she came, hugged the brother first, then I'd be interested. Yes.
3: Mm. No, no, no. They that that was no, okay. done in the proper order. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, she's so she, uh, how many? Paulina probably has a million followers on Instagram. She probably. When uh she got probably got 500,000 more
5: after yesterday. Oh so that vacation home in Bali we weren't sure we we're going to make the mortgage this month but we'll get there.
1: We're going to do it. All right, coming up next, Frank Dolce is going to join us. We'll talk some youth football, but uh, we're also going to talk to Frank about uh, the passing of Bill Marcroft. Uh, obviously, Frank knew him very, very well, and we'll get some some stories out of Frank coming up next. Stay tuned. We're live. Larry H. Miller, Ford Lincoln Draper, 11442 South Lone Peak Parkway, right off 515 on 114 South Uh, If you've been shopping for a Ford Super Duty truck, then you know how hard they can be to find this year. The demand for trucks is way up right now. Larry H. Miller Ford uh, has Ford Super Duty Duty trucks on the ground available right now. They're here. So if you've got to haul those new toys around uh, for fun or equipment around the workplace, there's no better truck than the Ford Super Duty. Come on down here and get one of these trucks before they are gone. 114 South, right off of I-15, Larry H. Miller Ford Lincoln Draper, Frank Dolce next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.